John chapter 15, and so if you want to grab your Bibles and turn there today, um, get ready, because it is going to be special. And, but think about this question. As you begin to process, what did it mean when Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches, my father is the gardener. If you had one thing, listen to this, to tell those closest to you before you passed, what would you tell them? Before you crossed over from this life to the next, before you breathed your last breath, what would you tell those closest to you? What would your last words be? I found this this week. Peter the Great, he was the czar of the Russian Empire. He died in 1725, way back, hundreds of years ago. He apparently was the instigator of long-lasting social and political reforms in Russia. And just before he breathed his last breath, he said, give back everything to, and then he died. <laughs> Massive cliffhanger, right? Apparently, you know, they had conquered, they had, you know, done conquest, they had got stuff, and he's like, give back everything to, and then he was gone. Big, huge cliffhanger. No one knew what he really wanted. No one knew what his last thoughts were. Aren't you glad that God didn't leave us wondering? Aren't you glad that when Jesus went from this life to the next, he prepared us with everything that we need? And we're going to unpack some of that today. And man, I'm excited. But today's topic is what Jesus told his disciples right before he went to the cross. And one thing that we know all throughout the book of John is that Jesus wasn't playing games with your life. He wasn't. You know, you think about that sometimes. Sometimes you feel like people are kind of jerking your chain around. They're kind of, you know, giving you the run around. It's just like, you know, they're not really interested in me. They're just interested in what I can do for them. Has anybody ever felt like that? Well, Jesus wasn't like that. He wasn't playing games with people's lives. Why? Because he knew, and get this, that his life was the key to your life. Remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago that he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. His life is key to your life. He said, I've come to give them life and life to the full. I am the resurrection and the life. And then in the, in the chapter just before John 15, John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so he makes it abundantly clear that without him, it's going to be really hard for us to find life, if not impossible, right? So the key to life isn't a thing, it's a person. The key to your life isn't a thing, it's not a material possession that you could find, it's not a job or a certain salary level that you can reach, it's not a relationship that you just want so bad or that picture perfect whatever American dream, it's not that. The key to your life is not a thing, it's a person. Context is everything. And so I love to read what happened before these statements. I love to read what happened right after. And in John 16, 1, right after Jesus gives this amazing discourse about how he's the vine and we're the branches, he said this, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. I've told you these things so I won't abandon your faith. And man, I can just imagine Jesus knows where he's going and he's pleading with his disciples, and he's saying, if you don't ever hear anything I say, hear this. Hear this. And so your homework this week, I want you to read some of the context. I want you to read John chapter 13 through 20. John chapter 13 through 20. 
And that will unpack some more of the context of when Jesus made this amazing statement, I am the vine. And so in John chapter 13, we see he's in the middle of the Last Supper. He's meeting with his disciples. We celebrated that today. He washes their feet, right? He shows them how to serve each other, how to get low. He talks about how he's going to betrayed, be betrayed. Can you imagine sitting around the table and you, you know the one at the table that is going to leave you high and dry and betray you? So he talked about that. There's a lot of tension there. He promises the disciples that he's going to send the comforter. He's going to send the Holy Spirit so that they'll never walk alone. And so in the midst of this betrayal, certain death, he had this message for the disciples and for you and me today. He said, in short, I'm just going to summarize it real quick. Stay, connect, stay connected to me. Stay connected to Jesus. Stay fruitful. Be fruitful and love each other. Stay connected to Jesus. Be fruitful and love each other. And so in John 15, he says, I'm the vine. In John 18, he's arrested. He goes to the cross. He pays the price for you and for me, just like we celebrated in communion. But the crux of our message today is found in John 15, 5. And Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this word that you're speaking into our life today. I just pray that our hearts will be soft. God, that we will be uh, people that you can shape and mold into your likeness. God, we do want nothing more for than, than for you to work in our lives and speak to us. And so I just pray that our ears can be open. God, just widen our perspective of who you are and what you can do in our life. Help us to be teachable. In Jesus' name, amen. And so pull out your handout today. You can fill in the blanks or you can, you can uh, open up the Mosaic app and the notes are there as well. But the vine, number one, shows me who I am and who God is. Who I am and who God is. Jesus knew who he was. In John 15, one, he said, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Right, So he, he indicates that he and the Father, and he talked about this all the way through John, that he and the Father had an extremely close relationship. They were in it together. Man, as I was um, uh, back there in the, in the cage, <laughs> in the fishbowl today, um, and I was watching my dad lead you guys in communion, and I just began to reflect how cool it is at this point in my life to be close to my dad. How cool it is to be able to do ministry with my dad for the first 15 or um, actually we just had our 17 year anniversary this last month. And so for the first many, many years of our marriage, just until recently, um, we, we had not lived close to my, my parents. And so I'm like, how amazing, how precious it is to be close to my dad and to be able to do things with him and, and be able to, you know, I could always call him. But it's another thing to be close to him and to do things together, right? You remember that? Those special times that you had with your parents throughout your life where it was like there's that special connection? Or maybe you were acutely aware of not having a connection to an earthly father or an earthly mother. And maybe you know the, the void that that can leave in your life. And so Jesus, right from the start, he's like, hey, I'm the true grapevine 
and my father is the gardener. He's saying, hey, we're together. And it's in this healthy relationship that they had that he then goes on to say, who you are. I'm the vine and you're the branches. And so God the Father, God the Son, intimately connected. You and Jesus, intimately connected. It shows you who you are and who God is. I have to know who I am. It's one of the most important things in your life. Your identity and how you see yourself is everything. And why is it everything? Why is it everything? Because in verse two, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Listen, I've got to know who I am. I've got to know if I'm connected to the vine or not connected to the vine. That's my identity. Why? Because I want to be connected to the the source of life. My hope for purpose in life is found in him and his ability to empower me, to give me fuel, to give me the tools that I need. I love what Zig Ziglar said. He said, it's impossible to consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how you see yourself. Let me say that again. It's impossible to consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how you see yourself. Why is your identity important? Because if you don't see yourself as a child of God, if you don't see yourself as connected to Jesus, if you can't look at your life at this moment and say, I have a connection with Jesus that is as intimate as the the connection that Jesus described with his father, then there's something off and there's, there's something wrong with my identity and purpose in life. There's something missing. And I believe that every single one of us can feel that when it's missing. We know God put something inside of us. I really believe we all have this God-shaped hole in our hearts that only Jesus can fill. And so when that connection isn't there and we're, when we're not doing well spiritually, it affects every single part of our life. And we start to ask ourselves a question, who am I? What in the world am I here for? And then we wonder, why can't I behave the way I should? Why can't I make the right choices? Why can't I, I do what I know is the right thing to do? First of all, I just wanna say welcome to the club right? But secondly, it's because it's impossible to consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with how you see yourself. And so if I can't see myself through the, through the, through the lens of scripture, when Jesus says, hey, you're a branch, you're connected to me, apart from me, you can do nothing. If that is not a part of our identity, at the core of who we are, then it's going to be really hard to behave like Jesus. It's gonna be really hard to serve Jesus. Everything in life begins with your identity. And if I don't see myself as a branch on God's vine, I'm not gonna act like it, right? If I don't see myself as capable, my capacity will be severely limited. If I don't see myself as a leader, no one's gonna follow me. If I don't see myself as a child of God, I'll probably act like a child of this world. If I don't see myself as dependent on my connection to Christ, I'll be dependent on myself. And if I'm dependent on myself, what does that mean? It means I'm cut off because apart from him, I can do nothing. 
And so I wanna encourage you today not to fight your God-given identity. Your God-given identity is better than any self-imposed identity that you can give yourself. It's better. He's got a cattle on a thousand hills. He's your provider. He's got power that is endless. You will always have what you need for life and you will never come up wanting when you're connected to him. Does that mean that you'll have everything you want? Obviously not. Will you have everything you need all day, every day? What's the second thing that we learn from the vine? The vine shows me my purpose. John 1.8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. What do we see through this verse? Our purpose for life. You say, Joe, what is my purpose? What in the world am I here for? What is the meaning of life? Why am I getting up every day? Why am I going to work? Why am I doing all these things? All to feel like at the end of the day, kind of bummed that I have to do it all over again. Anybody been there, right? What is my purpose in life? Jesus says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings glory to my Father. Underline, if you got a pen, glory to my Father. That is your purpose in life. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Your purpose in life, why you were born, why Jesus breathed breath into your lungs, the breath of life, and gave you a soul, is to bring glory to the Father. Listen, we are infatuated with things in our culture that look great on the outside, but that's an empty purpose. Some of you had the amazing experience when you were young of dating. Remember that? And you go out on a date, maybe it's July 4, and, and you're watching fireworks. Oh, they're so beautiful in the sky, right? And maybe everything dies down and, and it's a full moon. Have you ever sat under the full moon at the sweetheart? Anybody? And no one. Man, y'all need some love, right? Yeah. You sit under that full moon with your sweetheart. You look up at, at that moon and it's just, it's captivating, right? And it's that special moment. You're like, you're, you're connecting with your sweetheart. You're looking at something amazingly beautiful. And you're like, that thing is awesome. The only problem is, you're looking at a big ball of dust and dirt. You ever think about that? There is nothing on the moon. There, and, the, and that central point of this special moment between you and your sweetheart is nothing but a ball of uninhabited dust and dirt where nothing can live. It's just dirt, right? It's probably the only ugly thing in your life that you ever look at and just be like, oh, that's amazing, right? And we've all been there. We look up at it and we're like, how cool is that? And then we remember, and you maybe remember in science class when you were growing up, why in the world is that thing beautiful? Why in the world do people stare at it and take pictures of it and research it and get out their telescopes to look at it? It's only beautiful because of the sun. That when the planets are just in the right position and things are just in the right spot, and the moon is in the perfect spot in relationship to the sun. And we'll just imagine, based on our, our analogy today, that they're connected at the right point. That it becomes beautiful. Your life only has purpose when you're connected to the vine. It only becomes something beautiful, full of life and purpose, 
when it's giving glory or giving off the glory of the Son, the Father. It's the only time. And you say, Joe, I've searched my, for my purpose in all kinds of different things. I've tried to have the right job, the right house, the right car, the right relationships. I've tried to have the right look. I've tried to, to, to please people. I've tried to do everything that I can to make people happy with me and to feel like I'm, I am a worthwhile, I'm taking up worthwhile space on this planet. And I just want to humbly encourage you today that I've found in my own life then that, that that kind of fulfillment only comes when I see the solitary purpose of my life is to give glory to the Father. You see, my life is just a big hunk of dirt and dust that means nothing. The Bible says, from the dust I came and from the, to the dust I will return. And so my big ball of dust that is my life only is gonna look beautiful to other people when I'm reflecting Jesus, when I'm connected to the vine. Does that make sense? You look at the disciples. They were unrefined. They were uneducated. They were not much to look at. They were ordinary, but they were full of God's spirit. And Jesus is pleading with them, stay connected because my connection to you is the only thing that is gonna make your life worth it. John 1.16 says, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. It's your purpose. Bearing fruit is his goal, which means it should be my goal too. I don't just feel like I have a purpose, but there's substance to my life. I'm doing something with it. Listen, most believers give themselves a major pass on this one. What do you mean by that, Joe? Listen, most believers define Christianity or following Jesus as I'm going to show up to church semi-regularly. Most people today, by their standards, going to church once or twice a month means I'm a regular attender. That's what the research says. And while going to church is really good, it's awesome. I want you as your pastor to be in church, obviously. It's not all there is to it. And so most people, they give themselves a major pass when it comes to bearing fruit. Why? Because we settle for mediocrity. We settle for comfort. We settle for the status quo. We settle for what makes us feel better about ourselves. But what kind of fruit is it talking about here in the scripture? What kind of fruit is Jesus challenging us with? He's challenging us with the, the kind of fruit talked about in scripture. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Is it pouring out of your life? Are you bearing fruit in these areas? Another kind of fruit that the Bible talks about is souls. That the only thing that is gonna matter, and Paul talks about this, man, his pride and joy is gonna be when he stands for, before Jesus, all the people that he brought with him into eternity, into heaven. Another kind of fruit is churches. Paul talked about his overflowing joy for the churches that had been planted and, and how the fact that they were serving Jesus, man, that was the best fruit that he could ever bear in his life. Fruit, though, is a combination of you and him. Can't have one without the other. You can't bear fruit without him. Remember, apart from him, you can do nothing. And so what does Jesus do? He takes us through the process of growing up. He takes us through this process of pruning. He sees something in your life that is not pleasing to him. 
Maybe it's a, a relationship that's out of whack. Maybe it's how you're acting in that relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe you're addicted to this or that or the other. And you know, deep, I don't even have to tell you what it is. Deep down in your heart, you know it's not right. Maybe you're addicted to lying. Maybe you're addicted to people-pleasing. Maybe you're addicted to something that you know God doesn't look at and say that's good, right? And so what does he do? He prunes it. What is that? And some of you that don't know agriculture, he literally cuts part of the branch off, not all of the branch. He cuts that part of the branch that is going to bring death to your soul. Cuts it off. Now, I don't have to tell you that if you cut something off of yourself, it's going to hurt. Which gives us a great lesson that not everything that hurts you is bad for you. Not everything that hurts you is bad for you because it could be coming from the Lord himself. And maybe he's bringing this pain into your life, this, um, this relational discord into your life because he wants you to learn something. It could be, not always, not everything bad in your life comes from God, don't get me wrong. But sometimes some, there's some painful things in our life that God is bringing in or allowing to happen so that he's pruning us to look more like him. He says later on that you've already been pruned and purified by this message I have given you. What does that tell me? That if when I challenge you with God's word on Sunday morning and with your, when you're taking in God's word during the week and reading your Bible, if you're not being challenged and convicted, either I'm doing something wrong or, or we're not listening right, right? Because when we're confronted with the word of God, there should be a little pruning. There should be a little like, oh man, yeah, ouch. I need to change that. And so that's all part of bearing fruit. Verse four, he says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Listen, American church, let's just think about as a whole. 80% of our churches in America have 100 people or less. And you say, Joe, that's not too bad. I like, I like small churches. Guess what? We're never going to reach everybody in our nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ if our churches aren't growing and fruitful and flourishing. And I'm not just saying numbers, I'm saying growing in our maturity, growing in, in how much we follow Jesus, but there's a direct correlation. If I'm growing in my, church, my maturity and how I follow Jesus, there's gonna be more people in the seats. Why? Because fruit that God cares about is me looking more like Jesus and taking people with me, bringing people along. 90% of Christians, research says, 90% of Christians today don't have one relationship in their life where they are intentionally trying to lead someone to Jesus. It's a problem. So when we read John 15, and, we say, and, and Jesus says, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. That should cut a little bit. Because 90% of us aren't doing one thing to take somebody with us. I'm not trying to beat you up today because I've been there. There's been seasons in my life where I'm not being intentional. I'm not, I'm not talking to people with expressed intent to, to build a relationship, to hopefully bring them one step closer to Christ. It's not even on my radar. But as believers, we don't have an option because that's the kind of fruit that Jesus wants to grow in our life. 
which leads us to the question, how? How do we do it? How do we do it? Okay, God, I've learned who I am. I'm the branch, you're the vine. I gotta stay connected to you. I gotta bear fruit. How in the world do I do that? Luckily for us, once again, Jesus didn't leave us hanging. He's telling us how. Number three, he shows me how to live it out. The vine shows me how to live it out. And so attendance is not fruit. Daily devotions isn't necessarily fruit. Those are part of my remaining in him. You know, and there's two parts, remain in me and you'll bear fruit. And so how do I remain in Christ? I go to church, I do my devotions, I pray, I read the word, I, I stay connected to Christ, I have a personal relationship with Christ. Those are part, but the other half of the, the side, bearing fruit, it's obedience. Verse nine, it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. What does that say to me? I've got to obey. Obedience to God has to be a hallmark of my life. I gotta do what he says. Verses 12 and 14 says, this is my commandment. All right, so Jesus is being crystal clear. You say, okay, I'm gonna remain in you and I'm gonna bear fruit, but how? How? This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I've heard a lot of people over the years say, uh, Joe, I've, I've got a great relationship with Jesus. I don't really do the church thing. I, me, me and God are good, but I just have a problem with the church. Now, don't get me wrong. Organizations have problems. And the church is an organization. But the Bible has another word for it, or words for it, the body of Christ. Right? And the body of Christ is full of imperfect people. And the church became imperfect the moment you walked in. The moment I walked in. Right? And so what does Jesus say? Love me as I have loved you. Who did Jesus love? A whole bunch of imperfect people. And so to say, oh, me and God are good, but I just hate everybody else. <laughs> all you losers, right? Oh, you're all jacked up, but man, me and God are good. That just doesn't really check out in scripture. Okay? And so I really want to challenge you to the depths of your being. If I know who I am and I know what my purpose is, then how to live it out means I'm going to love you. And how you're going to live it out is you're going to love me with all my imperfections. And there's a lot. And so this, you're like, Joe, this sounds so simple. Yeah, it is not. Right? Because every single one of us knows a whole bunch of EGRs in our life. Extra grace required people. Right? We're going into life groups. We start next week. And there might be someone in your life group that you're like, ugh. They almost make you not want to go to life group. Right? Let's just be honest. But you know what? Even them. Jesus says, hey, lay down your life for each other. Love each other just as I've, I, I've loved you. It's worth it all day, every day. So how do I remain in him? When I obey his commandments, 
when I remain in his love, I'm going to love other people the way he has loved me. I'm going to have this attitude of, man, I'm laying down my life for my friends. I'm laying down my life for God's people. I'm laying down my life for, for whoever God gives me the opportunity to lay my life down for. Now, I'm not saying, you know, run yourself into the ground and burn yourself out to where that there's nothing left. No, you've got to have something to give something, right? And so you've got to be filling up. That's why we've got to stay in the word. We've got to stay connected to Jesus. But I feel, as your pastor, that as a church collectively, not just our church, but the big C church, we are way too reluctant to give it away. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about our time, our resources, our energy, our talents. Give it away. Lay down your life. What is tangible in your life that you're giving away, that you're loving people with, that you're saying, Jesus, this is, this is how I'm gonna glorify you. I'm gonna lay down my life for other people. Jesus makes it really, really clear. How? Great commandment, great commission. What's the great commandment? Love God with all your heart. Love others as yourself. Great commission, go into all the world. Tell your story, share, talk about Jesus. Share what he's done in your life. You don't have to fix people. You don't even have to convince people. That's not your responsibility. All your responsibility is to go and tell, to be a light. To do for other people what Jesus has done for you. And remember, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the faith without the fruit. They're connected. Because those who stay connected to Jesus bear much fruit. They bear fruit. So ask yourself, what's my fruit look like lately? What's it look like? Is there any? Am I in danger, and I know this sounds kind of harsh, but it's just the word of God. Am I in danger of being cut off? Have I been cut off already? And if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you. Jesus is the master physician. He's the master, God is the master gardener. And he knows that special trick of taking that branch that's been cut off and regrafting it into the tree. Have you ever seen a gardener do that? It's miraculous. Regrafting it into the tree and saying, hey, you want to get connected again? Let's go. Let's go. That's how big God's grace is for you and for me. And so I got to know who he is and know who I am. I'm the ball of dust. I'm the moon. I'm only good because of Jesus. Right? I got to know my purpose, man. I cannot be content in my Christian life if I'm not bearing fruit. And trust me, as a pastor, you go through seasons in ministry where it's like, man, I feel like I'm doing everything I can, but I can't see the fruit yet, right? Well, it just might be early spring. There might just be a little bud. There just might be a little thing. But hey, I'm putting in the work. I'm staying connected and I'm, I'm believing, God, you're gonna bear fruit. You're gonna bear fruit in my life. And so I'm gonna bear fruit and then I'm gonna execute the plan. What's the plan? I'm gonna obey and I'm gonna love. I'm gonna say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna love the people around me. I'm gonna love those in my life group. I'm gonna love that jerk at work. I'm gonna love that boss that, that, that <laughs> I can't get along with. I'm gonna love them all. We're gonna love. Amen. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. If you're here today and you say, Joe, I'm unconnected. God, he's the gardener. Jesus, he's the vine, and I don't even know if I'm a branch. 
and I want to get connected to Jesus. I want to begin a relationship with him. I want that life, that abundant life that you're talking about. I want to know Jesus. If that's you today, I just want to encourage you right now as you're sitting there and you're kind of wrestling with it, you're wrestling with the decision. I just want to encourage you to to say a little prayer. God, soften my heart. Soften my heart. Maybe you've been searching for a long time. Maybe your spouse drug you here. Maybe your grandma drug you. Maybe your mom brought you. And you're just like, ah, I don't know. But maybe today's the day where it's like you, you've seen this picture of being connected and not connected. And you're like, Jesus, I want life. I want purpose. I wanna be like the moon that when people look at me, they see the glory of the Father. I want my life to have that kind of purpose. I'm gonna live a life for you instead of myself. If that's you today as you're sitting there and you're praying for God to soften your heart and to show you your next steps, if that's you and you just say, I wanna wanna invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, just raise your hand today and say, Joe, that's me. I'd love to pray with you. Amen. Amen. Anyone else says, Jesus, I wanna wanna get connected to the vine. That's me. Amen. Thank you so much. If you raised your hand today, if, if you're sitting at home online and you're making the choice to follow Jesus today, I just want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer, and it could sound something like this. Jesus, come into my life. I give you my heart. I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you rose again on the third day. Help me to follow you. Help me to surrender all. Help me to put you first. Help me as I begin to read your word to understand it. And not just to understand it, but to make the choices to follow it. In Jesus' name.